There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Timothy Michael McKernan and Gangster Pete with you on a Monday morning, Monday, November 9th, 2020. Gangster Pete, what's the good word? All good. You know, just kind of waiting to see how it all plays out. See how it all plays out. A lot of our questions uh, surround it. This week, I don't believe I have any erotic stories. Don't like it. Not happy about it. But, uh, you know, people don't have any eroticism going on. I understand. The last thing we would want would be fictitious erotic stories. You are welcome to email in any time you want for QFTA. It's questions. It's comments. It's opinions. I want hate mail. Don't get it. Um, at least as much as I would want. Um, and erotic stories. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. This podcast is from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It is brought to you by Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, James Carlton of Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota, and Jim Rogers of Restoration One, and Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling online at DesignAirService.com. They all make this podcast possible. We ask that you support this podcast and the sponsors, and you can go and give it a positive review. Uh, and uh, and support the sponsors. That's really the name of the game. Also, as we approach the holiday season, uh, sound story. Uh, this is the perfect opportunity for you to get your loved one interviewed or with your brothers and sisters, like I did last year with my family, do something for our parents for Christmas uh, and come in and do a sound story. Uh, that is something that me and Doug Vaughn, we are both uh, available to do these. If you are interested, email me at tmckernan at InsideSTL.com, and we will set that up, give you information on how it works. Sound Story is uh, something that is perfect for the holidays, and uh, you are welcome to uh, email me at tmckernan at InsideSTL.com. Talking about Ryan Kelly, was working with his office last week, and as always, incredibly smooth, incredibly easy, and with the housing market the way that it is, and it being such a seller's market, being pre-approved is critical. It is of the utmost importance. And Ryan Kelly's staff will get you pre-approved, and you are ready to go. It's like being armed with a suitcase full of cash. It's thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, studio sponsor of The Tim McKernan Show. And this email that I received from um, a listener, and I know I read it on Pick 6, but I haven't read it on QFTA yet, and I want to read it because it's just it, it drives home the whole point with James Carlton. Tim, just wanted to thank you for introducing me via advertising to James Carlton and his business. I had been a State Farm customer for over 25 years with one agent and really didn't think anything about it. I just didn't know I should have expected more from my agent. Dumb, I know, as I am the customer, but still, insurance is just not something I wanted to spend a bunch of time thinking about. But your talk about James intrigued me, and then my oldest daughter became a driver. I called my former agent and, as usual, had to leave a message and then finally got a call back after a few days. This got me thinking about the customer service I should expect, so I bit the bullet and 
gave James a call. Night and day difference. We had a great discussion, and I immediately decided at that call I was going to make the switch, and I couldn't be happier about my decision. In two months with James, I have had more reach out and interaction than in the previous 25 years with my other agent. He reduced my rates, set me up with a program to save money, and made adding an additional driver not a headache. Just last week, my wife got rear-ended. No damage, and she's fine, but the concern and follow-up text from James' office has been a breath of fresh air. Just thinking about it makes me angry at myself for not expecting more from my insurance agent. Just the idea of calling my agent and actually getting an answer may seem like a small thing, but believe me, when you have a need and know you will get to speak to someone right away, it's a huge relief. Just wanted to share my personal experience, and I actually find myself pushing people to James Carlton because they deserve more from their agent that they, than they are getting. Feel free to share my name and story if it helps people understand that James and his staff are great people. It's great to know that you have quality people like him advertising with the show and the podcast. That's from David Ellington giving out his full name. Appreciate that. Uh, David the Duke Ellington is what I think he went by back in the day when he was an emailer into the program. 314-961-4800. Or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton in Webster Grove, State Farm Insurance Agent. Uh, He is my guy, and he's clearly many others as well. Uh, James Carlton. Uh, I am going to text something real quick here, Gangster Pete. And then I will be ready to go with the Q and the F and the T and the A. Uh, That's an important one, though. All right. Uh, Let's see. All right, here we go. I know you've probably touched on this subject before, but things seem to feel worse every day that passes. We keep hearing and discussing the two Americas, the right and the left, and the political wedges between us all. I see it more like the six Americas, the middle, the right, the left, the extreme right, the extreme left. And the outright batshit crazy people, rioters, anarchists, militia-style groups. Basically all the people so full of hate and anger, regardless of what they are for or against. These people are some of the worst society has to offer outside of murderers and child abusers. Outside of a national tragedy like 9-11, do you think there is anything or a number of things that could be done to tighten us together at all as a country? Even though 9-11 initially brought everyone together for a period of time, the fallout of it, eventually proved to actually become a wedge in and of itself. Certainly a global pandemic hasn't brought us closer. Is there any hope for us? Do you think this election will be the breaking point or point of no return for us? I generally like to find the best in everyone and everything, but it's really been tough to do that lately. I'm legitimately scared for us as a country and society. P.S. Second question, is Pete a gentle giving lover or just a fucking savage that will bottom out dry from the very start. Either way would be cool just trying to build a good visual in my spank bank. That comes from anonymously curious. What an email. What an email. A lot to unpack there. There really is. Uh, Pete, uh, you. I mean, as far as the what type of lover, I mean, it just depends on the mood. Nice. Good for you. Great answer. Uh, as far as the rest, uh, I mean, I, I agree that there are more segments than just left or right. Uh, and I think the extreme on both sides is wacko. Uh, I don't know what's going to bring us together. I mean, I feel like there's ebbs and flows. Everything's cyclical. It all comes back, comes around. I don't know what it's going to be, but I don't know. I'm trying to remain optimistic. So where are you? Because last week we recorded a podcast right after the election, the Wednesday. It's 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 different now in the sense that Joe Biden has been uh, declared the winner by media outlets. Um, President Trump has not conceded, um, based on his Twitter feed as of 10:42 this morning. It doesn't seem like he is close to conceding. Um, where are you 
as uh, far as do you believe that Joe Biden will be president? Has that moved at all for you? Yeah, I think Joe Biden's going to be president. I think I'm a little have a little more optimistic outlook than you do because I I feel That's like interesting because I, I was more optimistic <laughs> on Wednesday morning. I feel, what has happened? Well, I I just feel like there are a lot of people like everybody says it's the right versus the left, but I feel like already. There's a lot of people on the right that think that Trump is just handling this very poorly and they're just kind of done with it already. They want to move on. And I think that's a good thing. So I think it's more like 75% are ready to move on. You got 25% that are ready to dig their heels in and fight. Yeah. Um, I was really optimistic. I don't even know when, I guess when I was in such a great mood Wednesday and I'm sure people who are Trump fans hear that and go, it's because Trump was going to lose but that really, I mean, I guess if it were the other way around, I wouldn't have been in as good of a mood. But what made put me in a good mood was talking to people who voted for Trump, and they were in a good place. Right. Now, these are business Republicans. These aren't, you know, I don't know what the right word would be for that. And I'm not, I really am not looking for a, a snide, but, you know, thing to come up with on my own. I, I'm just like, these aren't like Trump fans. They're business Republicans. And they're like, this is actually good. He's out. It's not like they were fans of his anyway, but they're fans of policy. And uh, and then the Republicans look like they'll control the Senate. That is not a done deal at this moment. Um, and uh, it, it looks like, you know, it'll be a, a positive thing. And I think that's why you saw the market rally on, on Wednesday. Um, so... Uh, since then, I mean, I certainly didn't expect, I mean, that was always the basis for, well, that wasn't the basis. There are a variety of things for the basis of my concerns, but one of them was that he wouldn't concede. Um, you know, so you have this, I don't know when the last time you've had it happen in which somebody, I mean, come, I mean, they're, they're, one of the, I think one of the, I mean, you can take your pick. I don't know if you can rank the top 10 strangest things since election Tuesday. But one of them is when they just started declaring states for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Eric Trump went out and declared states for the, you, I mean, the world. Um, but whatever. I mean, and, and the, the thing is, I guess we're so, like, desensitized how strange it is that it's like, well, I don't really think it's that bad. And I'm going, but the president hasn't conceded an election. And he's saying it's fraud. But people are like, yeah, kind of expected it, though. So it hasn't really gotten bad. And I'm like, OK, I mean, I guess if that's where the bar is. Uh, but no matter what, I mean, I think we would both agree that a healthy percentage of the country does not accept the results. Maybe not people that you and I interact with often, but we know it's certainly there. I know a couple. Yeah. Is that in that text? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, one of them left. <laughs> oh, no way. Somebody has bolted from the group text. Yeah. Uh, what happened? I mean, I he, guess I can guess. But. He's on the far right, and he's just kept spewing these conspiracies, and everybody's just kind of giving him shit. Uh, no. Yep. And uh, he just he couldn't take it anymore. He, he's having a meltdown. <laughs> he just dropped out of the chat. But for the most part, most of my friends that are right are business Republicans, like you were talking about, and they, yeah. they can see the positives yeah. that can come from this. Like So that's why I was in a really good place on Wednesday. I'm n in not as good of a place now. Um, and I just, I, I guess one of the reasons I'm not in as good of a place, I don't know. I, it's tough to pinpoint because I, because what, what Donald Trump is doing is not surprising. You know, that was, that was yeah. the premise. And then also the premise would be the people, it, it doesn't matter. The people who hate Donald Trump would be in dis, just wouldn't be able to possibly accept the fact that he won reelection. 
or the people that love him couldn't imagine that he didn't win re-election. So no matter what, we were going to have that. So that that was that wasn't tough to handicap. I couldn't picture him conceding. So even if and when he does, he still didn't concede uh, before Joe Biden gave his acceptance. Speech. That is on as far as I know. It's am I missing anything? And I'm sure some people. Are, well, what about 2000? Well, they, but there wasn't an there wasn't an exceptions acceptance speech. There well, was he a concession conceded then he and then back. called it back. Right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, when would that have happened? We would. I would imagine we know about it. I don't. I don't know. I mean, if it did, it was. You know. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I can't recall it. Neither can Pete. Let me put it that way. Leaving myself an out. But I guess people are so predisposed to what we've come to expect that it's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But the way I look at it, and again, I don't want it to be this way, and it, I guess it irritates people, but I don't want, it's not everyone. It, some people, I guess, appreciate it. But I have to give my honest opinion, is that the COVID numbers are at all-time highs. It's not like that's, like, turning. Uh, and um, you have the occupant of the White House at the moment saying that this is fraudulent, and whereas maybe you, the listener, and your circle of friends and your peers might look at it and laugh and go, of course, you know, and look at the tweets and just go, this is crazy. There is a large percentage because, I mean, it's, I think it's more than 10 percent of the country who, who believes it. I think it's way more than 10 percent, actually, but and agrees with him. And so that's a that's a prop, whether it's real or it's not, it does. If, if a large percentage of people believe it, it's it's a I think it's a real issue. Now, I hope it's not. I hope it's not, but I don't think just because I think, I think what happened was Pete, that Joe Biden gives the speech on Saturday night and it's a good speech. He's just not, he's not a great orator, but the speech is content. I thought was outstanding. Um, although it would be difficult to deliver a poor speech in those, those circumstances, I guess we've seen, but you know, but as far as oratory skills, it's not like he's ever going to be able to, to, you know, deliver, take your pick of whoever you consider to be a great orator. Um, but the content was good. And then I think people are like, okay, good. It's over. And it's like, but it's not. And, but maybe it is. But from my standpoint, it's like the top of the second inning. And I guess that's, I guess that's where it depends on where your perspective is. Again, like this, this to me is, is so early. And that's why I have concern. Now, if Joe Biden is inaugurated, if Donald Trump concedes, um, However, that comes to pass, whether it's Jared Kushner talks to him, Ivanka talks to him, uh, some kind of whatever happens to get that to happen, then that changes things. Um, One thing that I will say that I think is a positive as far as the national mindset is what we talked about a little bit ago, which is the Senate, at least the mindset of Republicans is the Senate will remain Republican and that there was not a blue wave. Um, I think for people involved in politics, like actually involved in it, um, and it impacts their businesses, uh, that was a big thing. I think for the people who just cheerlead, I think that it's, I think it's spin. Like, you know, it wasn't a good night for the Democrats. I'm like, but they won the White House. I mean, I don't understand. So I think it's kind of spin to like jerk yourself off. But if you set the expectation that there would be a blue wave, then I suppose, well, if that didn't match it, then you could say it wasn't. But, I mean, the white one branch of the government is now switching hands. That's pretty substantial. 
But from those who want to see checks and balances, I think that's a good thing that the, that the Republicans uh, still, at least at this moment, look like they'll have control of the Senate. But that is not a done deal with the runoffs in Georgia. So I just I mean, that's not going to be determined until January. You don't know what President Trump is going to do. And at least at this moment, it doesn't look like he is conceding. So I think a lot of people wanted to move on, even people who voted for Donald Trump um, wanted to move on and probably liked what Joe Biden had to say. But I don't I don't I don't necessarily see that it's that it's past tense yet. I hope it is, but I don't see it that way. Yeah, I think I think he's going to do get his recounts and file his lawsuits and whatever. And I'm just I'm not concerned that there's going to be overwhelming overwhelming evidence that there was voter fraud and all that. So I'm just the way I I see it. I understand the way I see it, though, is that they're not going to find the evidence. And once that happens, then more and more people on the right are going to be like, all right, man, it's time to let this go. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Um, I feel like we're in the calm before the storm, which might sound weird because we're in a state where the president is on Twitter and, you know, the, the infamous press conference last, uh, Thursday, I believe it was. Uh, and if you want to call that calm, then it might seem weird, but again, our, our, what, what, what is normal is certainly been moved. And I just hope that it, I hope that it, I mean, if it, if it can be in January that there is real positive movement for a vaccine, if there is a president Trump concession to calm down those who are passionate about him. And if from a, again, not necessarily my personal preference, but from the country's preference of uh, checks and balances, a Republican Senate, along with the Democratic House and Joe Biden in the White House, then from my standpoint, then we actually do, then I, then I would be in a great place. But those three things I feel like have to happen, and I don't necessarily think those are two-foot putts. So that's where I am, in addition to potential outliers that are the byproduct of all of those things being negatives over the next few months, i.e. COVID uh, getting worse, um, whatever could possibly happen politically, and then the impact of it from someone or some people acting out, um, and, and an economic collapse or market collapse because of it. Those are the things I worry about. Um, but no matter what, unless Donald Trump says, we went through all the procedure. Joe Biden did indeed win. We are always going to be proud of what we did for four years. And who knows, maybe I'll be back in 2024. But in the meantime, you know, Joe Biden is the president and, you know, I wish him and Jill and, you know, vice president Harris, you know, the best. I just, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if we can really get there. So you're going to have 30% of the country feeling like this guy was not, you know, rightly elected and they're passionate about the person who was not elected. So reelected. Do you think that 30% will dwindle if no proof is brought forward? Uh, I think it will dwindle. Yes. I don't know if I would say, I think it will dwindle materially because you had nearly 50% of the country vote for him. You know, I mean, what are we talking about? Four, four, 52, 48, 51, yeah. 49. But with the exception but, of like one, all of my hardcore Republican friends that voted for him all thought he looked crazy in that press conference. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, and I understand that. And that's where I was going with this. So if we acknowledge that his blindly loyal supporters are, what, what number would you give? And this is a number that's before the, the election. Blindly loyal, like to the death supporters? Yes. 
maybe like 30. Okay, that's that's exactly the number I was operating off of. And so if we operate off of Biden won 51% of voters, popular vote, and Trump won 49, even though I realized there were third parties and so on, but just for the per, then that means 19% would fall into that category. And I would imagine in your group text, those would be in the 19%, not the 30%. <laughs> and maybe the one guy who'd be in the 30% is no longer part of the group text. And that is, that's where my concern lies. That was where my, always, my concern always lies. But it, it was with, the, with the, those who hated Trump as well. If he were to win, that's who I was concerned about. So it's the same thing. Um, and I think, and again, it's kind of like when I would, would say this stuff, I think it was like, okay, we're talking about death and nobody really likes to talk about death. So, and by death, I'm talking about metaphorically speaking. And so I'm like, God, this election is a week away. Like this huge thing that's going to be talked about forever in American history um, is coming. And and it's like, it's like, it doesn't seem like it's, but it's coming. Like we didn't know September 11th was coming. This is coming. And I'm not saying this is September 11th. I'm just saying this was something that was circled on, on the calendar. So if we can get to a point in January where COVID is on the decline for whatever reason, a vaccine or otherwise, uh, Trump has conceded. Um, the country is happy because the Senate remains in Republican hands and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going into the White House on the 20th then that would be wonderful to get from here to there. I feel like there is a lot and a lot of potential for trouble. And that is where my concern lies. So, um, but as I've always said, hopefully that uh, I'm wrong and hopefully it does not happen. But my basis had always been Trump will not concede on election night or even, you know, whenever it would be decided. I mean, it would have been weird. It would have been weird to me to see him do it. You know what I mean? It would have been weird to see me see him do it. Um, but I mean, I, but I always said, I thought Biden would concede, but I thought you would have people in the streets. I thought with Trump, you wouldn't have people in the streets, but you'd have him doing something. And here we go. We have him doing it. We have him and we have Rudy Giuliani. I feel I think, like you're about to say something you're debating whether or not to say it. I mean, I feel like if they discover real proof that there was fraud involved in the election process, that's when shit hits the fan. But I don't think that's going to happen. So I think, I do think that even that, that 30% will eventually dwindle where he's just a crazy man yelling. Uh, we shall see. Greetings, Tim. Republican here. However, I'm not one of those that think the world is going to end because Biden is president. He seems rather moderate. Senate race in Georgia will be something important to watch. My question is, why do people think they have to, quote, like the president's personality in order to vote slash like him or her? For me personally, I look at their policy and agenda, and that's how I vote. Clearly, Trump is a complete dickhead. <laughs> uh, but he did a lot of great things policy-wise that were extremely important. You don't have to like your boss, teammate, colleague, etc. but if they are producing results, you roll with them. If it were a personality contest, of course Trump would get smoked. Obviously, I wish he would have toned down the nonsense he spews, but that's on him in the end. I think it cost him the election. Thanks. That's from Johann von Wolfhausen. Um, well, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case for, I mean, when you say, why do people? I'm, I mean, I don't know if you mean all or some or a few uh, as far as personality goes, that's not how I vote. Um, but I don't know. I don't, so I don't really know how to, I don't, that it didn't have anything to do with my vote, whether or not I would like somebody, you know, when people bring that point up, they, it's like, they act like Trump's just like maybe a little quirky. <laughs> He's not a little quirky. I mean, he is a huge, massive dickhead. So it's just a bad look if that's the representative of your country. 
in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, but I mean, you know, the thing that I always say, and I'll just keep saying it because it's my it's my personal principle. But 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 if somebody doesn't have this principle, I don't fault them. It's a case of as always to each their own. I vote for Republican or Democrat. Uh, he or she who I think will act in the interests of the greater good when he or she is all alone and has a decision that will impact the greater good. That's how I vote. That's how I voted for a long time. That's why I felt like for a number of years we had great choices, Republican or Democrat. Um, and I didn't feel like we had that choice at all in 2016. I didn't feel like we had that in the case of either of the two major party candidates in 2016. So I was voting for the lesser of the two evils, in my opinion. But, I mean, I don't know if I vote for Hillary Clinton over, take your pick of any other candidate over the last uh, 20 years outside of Donald Trump. So, uh, and that's, again, it's Republican-Democrat, doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to respond to it because, I mean, I know you're not asking me to speak for other people, but I don't know. I don't know if that's necessary. I, I, I mean, I, th- I think... I think if you're building off the premise that Trump's presidency was successful, I think you're going to immediately have a lot of people dispute that. Um, it depends on uh, your perspective on it. I, I, it's like like to not count the last 10 months is an odd thing to me. Um, that's very important. <laughs> I, but I guess I, I, th- I think I think at the core, there is a belief that for those who are supporters of President Trump's, that it didn't matter who was in the White House, this was going to be a disaster, whoever was in there. Um, and I don't share that opinion. I didn't share that opinion. I recall tweeting that question out, not tweeting it, posting it on the TMA fan page. I guess it would have been March. Um, you know, who do you think would have been the best president to have uh, since Reagan um, in office for this moment? And, uh, you know, I mean, I think Trump got like four votes. You know, and then like, I think a few people are like, oh my God, my guy's only getting a few votes. And then they start voting. But initially it was like four votes out of like 600 or something like that. Um, and that, that to me is, you know, I mean, that kind of sums it up. But what do I think happened? Um, what I think happened is he was concerned about reelection. And so he downplayed it. And, and therefore it became um, a misnomer. That's what I think happened. And I don't think that Barack Obama would have handled it that way. I don't think George W. Bush would have handled it that way. Um, I think there's actually a better chance that Bill Clinton would have handled it that way <laughs> than Bush or Obama. Uh, I definitely don't think George H.W. Bush would have handled it that way. Um, and as I said, we st- the poll was dating back since Reagan. So, you know, because, and only, and that's totally unfair. It's just I, where I, where I can speak to, and I was, you know, whatever, four years old when Ronald Reagan was elected. So I don't really have a great recollection. So that was the premise. But if a lot of people base their, their on their, their portfolios or their 401ks, and I understand, listen, as Pete and I said, our parents or our moms, at the very least, base it on abortion. Uh, just my mom. Just your mom. <laughs> it's not your father. It's on the record. For my um, so I understand. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't, why people vote for someone, I just don't, I think it would be very unfair for me to get all worked up about it. I understand people see things differently. I, I mean, I see things I don't know who shares my views on even like the majority of things that I see uh, as what I think is the best best way to live. But if I'm in a position where I have to act in what I think is the greater good, I'd like to think that I do that. I'd like to think the people around me would agree with that. And that is what I'm looking for in a leader. I also think telling the truth is an important thing. I also recognize that sometimes you can't. 
I recognize that sometimes you can't, but that doesn't mean then to lie. And I just, we've just kind of become like to the point where we're oblivious to it, to when a guy like Joe Biden, who, I mean, again, it's like, oh, you're making fun of Republican, but it's not. It's George W. Bush was not a great speaker uh, for a president. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a great speaker. Um, obviously, Barack Obama was a great speaker. Bill Clinton's a great speaker. So, but, but Joe Biden's not a great speaker. But just because of the words he says, even though he doesn't deliver them particularly powerfully and he kind of stumbles around, obviously, you know, it's well documented, the battle of stutter growing up. But still, it's one of the reasons why he's not a great order. It was just like to watch that even on the thing on on Thursday, you know, it's just like refreshing from my standpoint. That's what, that's what I was going to say. It's refreshing. It's refreshing, it's refreshing hearing him talk about bringing everyone right. together. It's yeah. like, wow, I haven't heard that before. Yeah, it's just it's refreshing. And maybe, you know, it was on the Pick 6 podcast, but maybe G-Unit's right that he is the right person for this moment, you know? Yeah, I thought G-Unit made a great point there. He, that, that, you know, and I know that not a real listens to the podcast, but um, the Pick 6 podcast, but if you heard it, G-Unit was talking about, you know, maybe he's not the greatest president as far as a candidate goes, but for this moment, maybe he is. And maybe he is. He might be right on that point. So anyway, the question that Johan von Wolfhausen asked was about people voting for whether they like somebody. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's not how I vote, so I can't speak to it. I don't know how many people vote that way. I'm certain that it goes on. Don't want to discount it, but um, it's not something I can really speak to with any semblance of authority. Uh, Tim and Smoke, hope all is well. This year in the election, I did not vote for president. I voted for other items slash people, just not the president. In 2016, I voted for Gary Johnson. When I tell people that I didn't pick a side, it's usually met with anger. I wasted a vote, not going to their side. I actually do take my vote very seriously, and I think we have had terrible candidates the past two elections, so I don't feel comfortable casting my vote either way. I live in Illinois, which will go blue, but the state I live in, going a certain color, does not go into my decision. My question is, why does this bother people so much? Do you think I, quote, wasted my vote or at least understand the thought process of people being angry? I get them being angry, not being on their side, but I don't think I am wasting a vote, not picking a side. I think one of the great things about our country is that we do have a third choice of not going blue or red. Thanks. That's from the Sultan of Duck Butter. Well, my answer, and then I'll yield the floor to you, Gangster Pete, is similar to the one from the previous email. I'm just not going to get upset about a choice somebody makes. I will get upset if somebody is passing things off that are false as facts. And that actually is not directed specifically at Donald Trump. That would be in general. That's how I've kind of always tried to moderate discussion on our show or on our social media opine away, but don't say something that's factually inaccurate, especially knowingly. But if you are, then I'm going to step in. But if you're going to say Tim is a shitty host or whatever, then that's fine. That's, that's an opinion. But Tim is a shitty host because he did this or that, that is not true. Then I'm going to step in. Um, and so when premises are built off of falsehoods, I have an issue, but as far as I'm just never going to get, I mean, I'm just, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't share that. And I think it would be a real asshole thing to like yell at somebody or even chastise somebody for their vote. I mean, I think the most of the people closest to me in my life voted for Donald Trump. I don't know if I had to guess they did. So, I mean, I don't know. And I also know they're not racist uh, and they're educated. So, you know, that whole thing, that, that, that's something I said. I said that the morning after the election in 2016. I know you weren't on the show, Pete. Maybe you were listening. So this is going to, you know, this is we, this whole thing with, you know, you got to, you got to listen because obviously there's a reason for these votes. And I don't know how many times, and by that, I mean, people voting for Donald Trump. So this thing of discounting people because they're 
quote unquote dumb or they're quote unquote racist, it's a, it's a, it's a fool's errand and you do not win people over by calling them stupid or calling them racist. And that doesn't change now. The principle remains the same. So, um, that, that fires me up. Um, so to chastise somebody because they voted for Trump or they voted for, you know, Gary Johnson in 16 or Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden, it's just not, that's not where I am personally, but I guess that goes on. I don't know. I guess I haven't really been around it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't care who people vote for. Uh, I can't pretend to understand everyone else's situation. So maybe they have a really good reason for voting the way they vote. That's fine with me. But I was planning to vote for Gary Johnson last time and I got a lot of shit for it. People were just like, oh, it's dumb. It's a waste of your vote. And I was like, whatever. So I, I know it exists out there, but it doesn't doesn't get me fired up. Uh, Tim, are there particular people you'd like to see Biden add as cabinet members slash senior administration officials? Uh, Gangster Pete, anybody, anybody stand out to you? No, I mean, I haven't even thought about it for a second. Uh, one, because it's the person I thought the highest of and now being able to play the hand back, of course, totally results oriented. You know who I'm going to say? Uh, the person you thought the highest of? Yes. And I think it's important for this person to have a different office. Uh, no. For Pete Buttigieg. I was going to say Pete, damn it. Um, you know, I mean, it's difficult to become the president of the United States from being in City Hall in South Bend, Indiana. Right. I would say that's the same case of being in City Hall in St. Louis, Missouri or Denver, Colorado. I mean, it's, that's a, that's a hell of a jump. Um, and I don't want to by any means portray that I am tied into Pete Buttigieg, but people I respect who um, I've either met him or been around people who have worked for him rave about his character and his intellectual capacity. With that said, I think the way the Democrats wound up with Biden, and to call it a stroke of genius, I do not think it was. Um, I think it was backed into a corner and okay, this is what we'll do. But I don't think Pete Buttigieg wins Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. I could be wrong on that. But I think Joe Biden wound up being the right candidate to win those states. And I don't think Pete Buttigieg wins Arizona. Um, Georgia. Yeah, I don't think Pete Buttigieg wins Georgia. You're right. So it it wound up being, again, it's kind of speaking to what GU, but GU's premise isn't candidate. He's talking about as a president. So I think it's important for Pete Buttigieg, who I think is a bright and good man to have experience beyond, because he's a potential president down the road, beyond uh, being the mayor in, in South Bend. So that's my reasoning for the answer. Um, other than that, honestly, my honest answer is no, it's a great question, but I, it's not like somebody, that's, that's my insta-call answer. I think it would be really good to have Republicans involved, and I think that's something he's going to do. Um, I think that's going to be a big theme of what he's doing. It's, it is, I'll tell you, Pete, I was just in such a good place um, Wednesday. I guess you we were. were. Podcast. I really was. I noticed it. it made yeah. me feel good. <laughs> I was in such a good place because I was communicating with people who voted for him. And then, I, and then I had more conversations later in the day with people who voted for him, him being Trump. But they were in a good place. They were in a good place because it's like, oh, I didn't. They thought it was one or the other, as maybe other people did as well, that, well, if Trump loses, that means we lose the Senate and the House. So when it became, oh, we can get this guy who's going to be moderate, still have control of the Senate, this isn't going to be too bad because now we don't have to deal with Trump. You know, one of the things that the, the, the Trump staff and Trump himself 
have been upset about is that minus, you know, the Lindsey Grahams and Ted Cruz's of the world, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of support from Republicans for this fraud thing. Um, and I think that tells you a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, or, well, Josh Hawley. Uh, but that that's what you would expect. Um, and I think it tells you a lot, which was my premise, that deep down, if they could get what they got, got the Supreme Court, you don't have to deal with Trump, still have the Senate, the Republicans, if anything, fared well in the House. Uh, this is, this is, this is, this is I, I don't know if we could script out what we would want. And maybe privately some Democrats too. Uh, so, you know, that's why I was in a good place. Now, I, I didn't expect Trump to like wake up and go, okay, I concede, you know, because at that point the race hadn't even been called. I expected this. I, I don't, you know, I just, it's, it's, to me, it's not, okay, it's not over with the Biden, the celebrations in the streets and the Biden speech, but maybe it is, maybe it is, you know, I don't know. Maybe it is. And if it is, it'd be great because for 10 months I've been worried about this. So it would be wonderful if that's the case. Uh, let's see. Is there anyone, let me, before that, I need to make sure I tell people about Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Boy, he was a big, uh, big part of uh, the program and people asking questions about the election um, because he was on top of it, man. That's for sure. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. His number is 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. It's, it's why I rattle these names off because it's, they're, they're not just companies. They're people associated with the show and with the podcast and, um, and they're, they're good people. And, uh, and I'm finding more and more people who are actually doing business with these people and they rave about it. And that makes me feel so good. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies helps everyday people every day. His number is 314-889-0503. You need a plan, especially as the year wraps up. Mark Hanna is the person to deal with. 314-889-0503. Go online at evergreenstl.com. And then the great Seth Gold Camp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. Online at designairservice.com. And Seth Gold Camp uh, has been at the forefront of putting together promotions for our audience. And so many people with our audience have made sure that they've become design, air, heating, and cooling clients. Well, that's good to hear. Here are people. Uh, here's an offer for people who maybe weren't, but now a reason to become one. Veterans, nurses, doctors, law enforcement, and firefighters. Free furnace tune-up to make sure your heating system is operating safely this winter. No strings attached. No other purchase necessary. Design Air just wants to thank all of these frontline workers for their extraordinary efforts in 2020. To schedule your free tune-up or to get more information about the rebate, please visit designairservice.com. I'm a client. Doug's a client. We recommend you become a client as well. Design Air Heating and Cooling, the official HVAC provider of the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Uh, and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. All right, back to this one. Is there anyone on your radar that you think will be the next person to change the game in terms of radio or podcasting? Ah, non-political. Uh, Stern changed the game in terms of radio and bringing subscribers and value to satellite radio, so much so that it led to a massive merger. Rogan changed the game in terms of podcasting deals. Who or what will be the next big thing or medium? I'm big on video recordings of podcasts, listening to Rogan or The Corp. Or, pardon my take is great, but watching it on YouTube is even better. That is an out. It's come from Timmy Recaps, uh, superstar of the QFTA episodes. Anybody, Pete, you, I feel like you're usually ahead of me on this. Uh, I don't know who it's going to be, but I agree with him on the video part. Like, I have a lot of friends that watch all their podcasts. On, oh, is that they right? They watch right? the video while they watch the podcast, and I've only done it a couple times. Like, I kind of like to do it, listen while I'm driving or doing other things. So, I haven't really caught up 
to that yet, but I know that's becoming a real popular avenue for getting your information. Yeah. Logical, logical, logical. My honest answer is to me, it's a great question, but I don't have the, uh, I, I just don't have, uh, so, I mean, it has to be, I, I'll, I'll say this Rogan becoming as big as he's become surprises me. Uh, only because I was aware of him a few years ago. I mean, I was aware he was in studio. Him and Charlie Murphy were in studio with us on, might've been even the morning grind. Um, so I was obviously aware of Joe Rogan, but I'm talking about his podcast. I listened to it and I just didn't really like it. But, uh, then I started listening. Now I just don't listen as much, but it's not necessarily because of the content. I'm just not listening as much. Um, I'm just surprised that it's blown up like it's blown up. I don't know. I guess what I guess what I would tell you is this, if you're looking for like something that's formulaic and not to say that it was a formula, but I think that there is an audience and there was an audience for, for people who are like, the stuff that I'm accessing on mainstream media seems either pack, prepackaged bullshit and dishonest or it's telling me I should feel badly for feeling a certain way. And again, you don't win people over by telling them they're wrong. You can explain your perspective. And if it resonates, it resonates. But by telling people they're wrong. Now, again, if you're talking about facts, that's one thing. But an opinion is a different thing. Um, you know, I'm not religious, but I don't shit on people who are religious. And I, that's why, like, I love Bill Maher's show, but I feel like he doesn't do him service. But I don't, at the same time, I don't think he really cares about winning anybody over by, like, mocking people who are religious. Um, so using that as just a one-off example. So if somebody, I don't know what the next trend will be. It could be the same trend that it's been for the last few years. Um, and if somebody caters to that, I think, I think here's what I would tell you. And I don't know who the person is. Authenticity resonates. Authenticity resonates. Um, and so people, when they listen to Rogan, they just feel like they're listening to a conversation that is not edited. And it's real. Uh, I think it's why Barstool's had the success it's had, that it's authentic. Um, you know, on a much smaller scale, I think it's why TMA has had the success it's had, that people are like, okay, I might hate Doug's political opinions, or I might love Doug's political opinions, but he certainly is telling me what he thinks, and I appreciate that. Uh, it just depends on where you're coming from. I think what's so popular about Joe, he's just a facilita facilitator of great conversation. Yeah. Like he'll tell you, like if, if you're looking to get information from me, you're an idiot because I'm an idiot. But he'll bring on people of all walks of life and give them a chance to talk. And whether you agree with him or not, he's going to make the conversation interesting. You're going to learn, even if it's from someone you don't necessarily agree with, you're going to learn why they feel that way because you got three hours to break it down. Yeah, you have the freedom of conversation. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah, and I guess another thing I can say, which I think Stern does with his guests, even if I'm not interested in the guest, he's such a great conversationalist right. that I'll wind up caring. Joe Buck did that with his TV show, uh, that Rogan can get me to care about a topic or a guest that otherwise I wouldn't have listened to. You know, that's, I think, the ultimate compliment. Uh, guys, what's your Mount Rushmore of Plowboy moments slash bits? Here's mine. <laughs> Number one, him realizing something may be up with his girlfriend partying <laughs> from <Army> base. <laughs> Number two, seriously considering selling a testicle for $25,000. Number three, getting blocked by Zach Zane. Number four, hearing him talk about his daily treats. Oh, I'm on like four hours of sleep. <laughs> I bitched about my neck situation. Uh, it's day three of it. Uh, so my mind is not firing uh, to be able to, because I, I know I've got others. Um, God, I, him and Iggy with the cock thing. <laughs> would make me piss myself. Him changing his avatar on Twitter of the coach of the bowling team on Nebraska. 
uh, to the angry, what is that, angry Pirates fan? I think it was an angry <laughs> Pirates fan. Uh, you know, I think people, the thing with the plow, people would go, is he trolling or is he, I, I think, I think, and I don't, it's almost like I don't want to know, but I think, <laughs> I think the opinions were real and then, then he'd get kind of like caught up on it and then go, I'm just fucking around and just trolling. You know, that's what I think. What do you think on it? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think sometimes he's trying to troll and sometimes he's really like serious. Like with the Mizzou stuff. Certainly, yeah. like going on tiger board. I mean, but, <laughs> but I think also sometimes he would go into stuff not knowing right. much about it, and then dig his heels in. And I always thought that that was hilarious. Yeah, uh, I was texting with the plot hawk. I guess all all weekend. Now that I think about it, um, I missed the plot hawk. You know, not, not a shot at Matt You know, this stuff's a shot at Matt Rocchio or you know, miss the cat. I would love to someday have the whole group back together. You never know. Uh, how are you feeling about the winter scenario you spoke about before as it relates to the election? Have the past few days given you a better outlook for the transition of power? Yeah, with regard to the winter thing, because I guess I've been asked about it, um, kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. When I was talking about winter is coming, it wasn't necessarily about Trump winning or Biden winning. So I want to make sure I keep saying this. It was about the people who are passionate, not because it wasn't Biden fans, passionate Trump fans, and then passionate anti-Trump fans, knowing that if we can, if we look at it as a bell curve, that 40% is in the middle, in the bell, and then you have 30 and 30 on the outside on either side of the graph, that whichever side of it did not have the outcome they wanted and what would happen. Well, that's not over. So I like to like talk about it in past tense is is not where I am now. I hope I'm, it'd be wonderful. If it's over, but it's not over. Uh, and th- then that was the, the the reason for the discussion back in February. Uh, as the year played out, then you had George Floyd, but you know you had the pandemic, and the fear for me was okay. When it gets to November, you're going to have the election, and most likely you're going to have a COVID spike. And those two things have happened. So when people go, actually, I don't think this has wound up being as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm like, okay, but I mean, we're in the top of the first or second inning. It's just, it's not there. But hopefully there's a vaccine coming and hopefully President Trump will concede and, uh, you know, everything will be smooth into January. And that would be wonderful. And I'll say this, I'll say this, which in a week or two, if, if all hell breaks loose and it could break loose, hell, while we're sitting here talking right now, I feel like it's like, I feel like it's a tinderbox. I feel like it is the calm before the storm, but it's not like I know it is. I've always said, I hope I'm wrong. If we can get to January with things being smooth in the transition of power, most likely the Senate retaining power, uh, or the Republicans retaining power in the Senate, I should say, and at least something regarding substantial, real positivity with regard to COVID, whether that be a vaccine or it not winding up being as bad as people thought it might have been in November, December, and in January. And I'm concerned about the holidays and how it impacts things. Um, and I don't fault people for that, by the way. I mean, I'm going to go to my parents' house for Thanksgiving like I have every damn near every day of my life or every Thanksgiving of my life. Uh, and I would expect many others are going to do the same and certainly for Christmas as well. And I think you're going to see numbers increase because of that. But if we can get to January, I think the United States is actually on the verge of a boom. Now, I don't know if that's hope talking. Um, 
And I would have thought that, by the way, if President Trump would have been reelected. So that is not a that's not a Biden specific or anti-Trump take. I thought that during the year, I thought this is something that is psychologically going to make Americans appreciate things we took for granted. Dollars are certainly going to be lost, but they're also going to be set aside. And whenever we feel like we are on the other side of it and feel victorious, as difficult as it will be to look back on the, the, the casualties, both economic and, of course, lives lost and people who will be forever impacted health-wise, that people will be aggressively enthusiastic about that return. And I think we will be on the verge of a boom. I think we are on the verge of a boom if these things can happen, if these things can happen. Uh, but that's why I'm like, let's get there. And that's the reason why uh, I want to emphasize that. Gangster Pete, your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. But at the same time, I'm always worried about those people on the tails of your bell curve. Yeah. And they could they could blow your tunnel up before you get to that yeah. light. But uh, I, I mean, I'm optimistic we're going to get there. I think, like I said before, the biggest problem is if they were able to prove voter fraud, then all hell would break loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and see, I'm, I'm not even looking at it through that prism, although you're 100% right. Uh, I just, I think even if there isn't, that you're going to have a healthy portion of the percent of population that feel like their guy who they loved was wrongly taken out of the office. And unless he says something to calm them, they're going to feel that way no matter what. And I just don't know. I don't know if I see him doing that. It would be wonderful if he did. It certainly would have been ideal if he did it like every other president or candidate who lost the presidential election. But that was something that I, I think I actually gave the number 2% chance that I thought that he would give a concession speech. Yeah. Just listening okay. to you talk about getting through to the end. Like, I mean, just thinking about that gets me so excited. It'd be such a like weight lifted off your shoulders. Like there's a vaccine and you can go back to normal. And I think there would be a boom. Oh, yeah, I, do. I really do. Like, I think there will be a boom. And just like I said, thinking it's about not that, Biden specific. Uh, that's tr- that w- I would have, I felt that way during the Trump thing. Yeah. I mean, again, so much of all of this has, has played a role in both personal and professional decisions. And so part of it was I'm like, I'm handicapping things. I'm going, okay, yeah, we might have to this, but on the other side, then there's going to be this. So uh, that I really, I truly believe that. Now, again, this isn't a data-driven opinion. I want to make that clear. It is an, an, analysis, an analysis of the psychology that I think is currently there. And I think people will come you know, raging out of it positively. <laughs> and so that's my thought, especially if things can be and not all hell break loose between now and January. That's what I think the key is. Uh, but when I, you know, watch respected, real infectious disease specialists talk about COVID, they don't even think we're halfway through it yet. But, you know, the vaccine can accelerate that process um, if there really is indeed one. And, you know, that, that, I mean, that's the world changer. I mean, it could be, and then that's the thing. So if you could have calm and even the people who voted for Trump going, okay, Biden's fine. Uh, and everything is cool in Congress. Again, cool being a, certainly a relative term, but you don't have people fearing that the world is going to change there. Um, in a transition of power and feeling like COVID is starting to go in the rearview mirror, I think there is going to be a feeling in this country like we haven't seen in our lifetimes. I really do feel that way. Um, and that, that excites the hell out of me. Spring is coming. It's morning in America. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
As your vote continues to matter less in Missouri for president, would you be in favor of advocating for Missouri to join the national popular vote interstate compact? I have no idea what I just read. Is there a movement to get rid of the electoral college? Is that what that meant? That's what it sounds like to me. Okay. Uh, I am for that. Um, I would have been for that before this past Tuesday. Uh, I think it's an outdated and uh, misguided for 2020. 2021 system. Um, I don't see it changing though. <laughs> I don't see it changing anytime soon. Let me put it that way. And yeah, I knew I was waiting in line for an hour and whatever I waited to, to vote for something that at least with regard to president wasn't going to matter. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when's the last time a Republican won the popular vote? I mean, are we talking George W. Bush in 2004 and then before that 88 with his father over Dukakis I think that's correct couldn't have been 08 couldn't have been 12 wasn't 16 so it had to be it and what's the the margin going to wind up being four to five million I think yep on this uh yeah I mean I understand it but I think they're going to have substantial pushback from it so I don't think you're going to have W was the last in 2004 right yep Carrie you know um, all right, before I go to a couple more, and uh, I want to make sure that I tell people about the great, and I mean the great, Jim Rogers at Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. That's where you can find him. And uh, about 18 months ago, you could find him in my basement saving the day. Water damage, mold remediation, 314 888 It's 314 888 It's Restoration One of Central St. Louis. For water damage, damage to your home, mold remediation, nobody does it better. I mean, he's over there quick, fast, in a hurry, cleaning it up, and then setting up uh, these drier things to keep the mold out. I mean, he's on top of it, and he's such a good guy. He runs a great business. Jim Rogers, Restoration One, 314-888-5266, Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Online at Restoration, the number one, of com. Uh, and Munganass, the official automotive provider of the Ryan Kelly morning after I am an Alton Toyota Munganast client. Doug now has a car from there as well, and they have a great special at St. Louis Acura. How about this special? 2020 Acura MDX all-wheel drive lease for $349 a month with zero down. Zero down. That's the TMA and the Tim McKernan Show special right there. 2020 MDX all-wheel drive lease for $349 a month. Zero down. That's right. Ask for the TMA. Tim McKernan special at St. Louis Acura. And uh, and you are getting yourself an incredible deal. Now, if you're going to go to Alton Toyota, that's where I went. Uh, it's all under the Munganast umbrella. Uh, they have several new Toyotas with 0% financing available. And as always, with over 200 pre-owned cars available, it's Munganass, the sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show. Please visit AltonToyota.com or StLouisAcura.com for more details. Uh, hey, Tim, following up on my question from last week about polling accuracy, here is a link that shows data related to polling accuracy and comparing it to previous elections and even polls in a specific in specific battleground states. This data is valid and it appears that overall polling has been getting less and less accurate in recent election cycles, which is where my original question was coming from. As you pointed out on the show, from a probability standpoint, these polls are still very accurate. I was just curious why their accuracy seems to be eroding over time. I would have expected their models to be improving, but that seems to not be the case unless I'm not interpreting the data correctly. It's from not caller Adam. Um, 
I, I, I think the Trump phenomenon contributes to it, but they were off on Senate races too. So, I mean, that, that, you know, and by the Trump phenomenon, I mean people who don't want to say that they're voting for Donald Trump. Uh, and supposedly they built in a way to factor that in this time around. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, I don't know what, is there a state that went one way that was a big surprise? And I'm asking that not like to like prove my point, but I'm just like, cause Arizona was considered in play. You know, it wasn't necessarily a lock, but it was definitely in play. Uh, Mark Kelly winning that Senate seat was, he was a heavy favorite. He was four to one. I don't know uh, what the poll said about Georgia. Uh, it was in play. Yeah. Obama spoke there, I believe the day before Florida was in play, but it was expected to go to Trump. Ohio was in play, but it was expected to go to Trump. Pennsylvania was a flip. Um, I think that the margin in Michigan was off substantially, I think. So I don't, I mean, I, so I guess that's where I am on this. Uh, I certainly think you can look at it in 16 and maybe if you're focusing on the Senate seats, but I just, I didn't, I don't know. But I mean, I, I realize a lot of people are, are, are talking about it, but I don't know how much of that is a talking point, how much of that, I, I guess maybe it's the, the margin. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be flippant because not Colorado sends in wonderful emails, but I just, I, I don't know. From my standpoint, it doesn't, again, I look at it as probabilities. I don't know. And so I don't, I look at it perhaps differently. Uh, let's see. Um, God, we have so many emails, man. Um, uh, let's see. I guess I'll stick with the theme. Um, God, this one's about video poker, though, so I'm kind of intrigued to read it. I haven't read it yet. Go for it. All right. <laughs> hey, Tim, maybe this is a discussion you'd care to save for QFTA discussion, but I just wanted to follow up on the video poker discussion in the Friday 7 o'clock hour and somewhat defend some of the video poker players out there. <laughs> <laughs> for as much as you've been to casinos in Las Vegas, I was surprised to hear you weren't familiar with the professional video poker players. You are correct in that most video poker isn't going to be a great return for the player, and I'd say it's a very safe bet that most players do not know how to play a certain game variant strategically sound, but all video poker is not the same. Sure, your bar, free drink machines in Vegas are going to be very poor odds, bar top, for good reason. There are certain machines that you can find player-friendly odds on, and in certain situations, the player can be positive. A lot of pros will look for what is considered a 9-6 to full-pay jacks or better machine, which can have a 99.54% payout. This is, there is a strategy sheet that shows you the correct strategy for certain video poker game variant. Without getting too deep into the specifics, where you can make some money is on the back end of free play that the casino will send to the player after you log a big play. The free play is based on a daily average. If you put in a big, very long day of play that consists of thousands of hands, the casino will send a decent amount of free play. When you redeem the free play, you go in, play through that amount, and cash out. Several years ago, I played video poker sort of part-time for a couple of friends who are, quote, professional video players. The game can be very volatile, and you do need to have a decent bankroll. You certainly need to hit royal flushes or other jackpots along the way, which you statistically should over the course of playing thousands of hands. I'd prefer to remain anonymous if you talk about this on the podcast. And that comes from Brad. Um, yeah, God bless. Good to hear. That's not how I view video poker, but, you know, I didn't know that there were pros. I guess I did know, but, you know, it's kind of like when somebody says they're a professional poker player. Yeah, they are, but are they really making a lot of money doing it? And the way they would make money doing it is back in the glory days of online poker is, you know, being sponsored by poker stars or full tilt, that would guarantee some income. And then oftentimes they'd become degenerate gamblers, whereas they'd be profitable if they could just focus on poker. But they, you know, wind up betting on sports and shit, 
craps and then they lose their bankroll. So that's interesting. It makes sense. And I guess why in the hell were you talking about video poker on the radio? G Unit? His oh, big that's jackpot. right. Yeah. Thank God you uh, remembered that. I got in trouble for that. He he hadn't exactly disclosed that to everyone in his no, family. Yeah, I found out about that too through another uh, through another source. Um, he had another big one the next night. He took us out to dinner. And then he, and then he had another one. He stayed. I mean, it wasn't nearly that big, but it, a good size one. Yeah, five but figures. Another four K. Wow. How about G Unit? Look at him. My other buddy hit the same one. The four K. Yeah. Is that Deuces Wild? The video P. Uh, I think they're playing jacks are better. Jacks are better. Apparently, that's where it's at. Yeah, I mean, if you can sit there and go, okay, kind of like what we were talking about with the four-game sweetheart teaser. Like, you know you're going to lose. You know it's going to be swingy. Right. And if you can accept that, but then dig in and like, okay, I'm going to set aside whatever the number that you're comfortable with, and then, you know, obviously your unit size depends based off of that, and you're going to be profitable, then that's then it's worth it, you know? So if you're like, you know whatever, $1,000. I'm going to sit here with $1,000. I'm just going to grind video poker. You know, 25-cent hands, play max. Yeah, you're probably, I guess, going to have a shot at being, you know, hidden. I guess that makes sense. They're grinders. They grind? They, they grind, grind, yeah. How long are their sessions? Oh, uh, they can be hours. Uh, really? Like, he took us out for that dinner I was telling everybody about, and afterwards, they're like, oh, well, you know what we're going to do. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> this is where we part ways. And, and then they sit there and they play video poker. <laughs> yeah. God bless them. Do you think he is up overall in his career video P? I don't know. I, I don't know. know. I mean, I think that that, that that big win probably helps a lot. Yeah, no shit. But, I mean, because if, if you're not, that means you were down more than 25K. I mean, they, they post all their four-digit winners to our chat, so you see them a lot. So it feels yeah. like they're winning a lot, but you don't know what they're but pumping yeah, in there what, either. Oh, God. What was the hand that won the four uh, the 4K? I think it was the four aces and then a king. Really? Yeah. So what, what he had a royal flush to win the 25,000? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I know it was 12 time multipliers. So. Wow, 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 wow. God bless him. Uh, makes me want to go play video P. Shows <laughs> how susceptible I am to it. Uh, all right. This gentleman, I think, operated it in good faith. So I'll go ahead and I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, Tim, I'm a 28 year old who lives in Chicago and a Republican slash Trump voter. This was sent in last Wednesday. Over the last year, the disrespect slash personal attacks from those who support the Biden campaign slash Democratic Party have been unacceptable. The broad stroke of racism painting in, is truly the most disgusting thing I've experienced in my lifetime. While I'm sure there are some bad apples who support the president, just as there are on the other side, I feel like this opinion is usually directed from left to right rather than vice versa. Do I agree? Uh, do you agree? I have been casually referred to as racist multiple times because of my perceived support for the president. Not once have I expressed my support for our president via social media slash personal expression. The only public acknowledgement of my support for the president my refusal to support the Democratic Party when asked. Because the show rarely showcases conservative opinions outside of Doug, well, okay. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> <They're> pretty, <laughs> half know. the host. Uh, because everyone in my marriage is a man outside of my wife. Uh, <laughs> because the show rarely showcases conservative opinions outside of Doug, I thought I'd share my experience. I am personally tired of the perceived inferiority of associating with the president. I'm sad that we've lost the ability to vote slash have an opinion without being attacked. Feel free to share my opinion. Sans my name. Thank you. And I won't even use the first name. Um, let's see. Where were their questions? I feel like this opinion is usually directed from left to right rather than vice versa. Do I agree? Uh, um, of the right calling people on the left racist. Yes, I would agree with that. But, I mean, I think there's a reason for that. But I have always, always said that 
the tact of labeling someone a bigot because they vote or voted for Donald Trump. And I didn't even know you voted for Donald Trump in 16 yep. anyway until he told me last week. Uh, pity vote. What's that? Pity vote. Pity vote. Uh, that is so, first off, it's just wrong. Uh, is and factually wrong. And then secondly, it's just a horrible strategy. Now, I realize people get frustrated, whether it's they really don't like Trump or they really do like Trump. But it's something that I always go back. I think what Joe Biden is doing um, so far is exactly what needs to be done. And I think that will appeal to a portion of people who voted for Donald Trump, certainly not all or even the majority of, but I think a healthy portion. Um, I also think what and I, I talked about this on last week's episode, what Pete Buttigieg has done. And I don't know if he was deployed by the Democratic Party or if he just decided it needed to be done. Hell, I was watching Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace yesterday and there was Buttigieg again. He's been all over Fox News. Uh, I think that would be a great thing if President-elect Biden, should he wind up being the one who is the president, uh, appear on Fox News as often as possible. I think it is a great thing if he can do that. Um, I think it would be a real positive thing. And if a Republican wins in 2024, um, I think it would be a real positive thing if Nikki Haley appeared on CNN or MSNBC. Um, you know, so along those lines, um, I think that is a very important way to start building trust. And even if people are like, oh, I hate Joe Biden, or I really don't like Pete Buttigieg, but they're there. They're there. They're not, you know, they're not picking and choosing the safe spaces to go to do interviews. So I think that's an important thing. I know that wasn't your question, though. Uh, your question was, um, I'm personally tired of the perceived inferiority of associating with the president. I'm sad that we've lost the ability to vote slash have an opinion without being attacked. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand that. I mean, I understand that his conduct is what has created that. Um, I think there's a great deal of frustration with people feeling like the disregard for the truth, um, and, uh, before the pandemic, much less when the pandemic rolled around, I think that put a lot of people, I mean, I, I think, I think it goes without saying, uh, that if you don't have COVID, Donald Trump wins reelection. I mean, I think that's, about, I mean, that's about as much of a, I mean, hell, he nearly won it as it is. Uh, so, I mean, it's, but I mean, we were both sitting there saying so, he was minus, he was minus 165 or minus 175, but you know, we were talking about this in the early part of the year, pre-pandemic. I so, think there's people on both sides that paint with a broad brush and an, I think that's bullshit either way, uh, just to lump everyone together because they are on one side or the other. And then I think that's the worst way to convince someone to see your ways when you just paint everyone on this side is this, everyone on that side is this. It just, it, it drives me crazy. I cannot stand that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with it. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, there's so much, um, you know, but I mean, the, the prism through which this gentleman writes it, and I think he's writing in good faith, so it's not like it was an asshole email in the slightest. It was a good email. But like, you know, because the show rarely showcases conservative opinions outside of Doug, it's like, okay, what do you want to hear from Rockio? You want to hear from Pete? You want to hear from me? I mean, I don't, it, there, there are five people on the show. Uh, Rockio, you know, is relatively speaking new uh, and doesn't talk all that much. Pete doesn't really talk all that much on TMA. And, you know, Iggy, you know, I don't know how to describe that with regard to <laughs> politics. Cause he's Iggy's Iggy. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the main, when you think of 
who, who if, the, if we're a pie chart, I always go back to a pie chart, the most words talked about politics on TMA, who would occupy? <laughs> I mean, it's not even like, right. it's not even close. So I don't know. So I did, so, but that, but it's kind of like the, one of my favorite ones. And I think I talked about it on here last week, but maybe I didn't. Is when Doug brought up something about Pennsylvania, which is still really kind of ongoing. This isn't, you know, this isn't past tense, but this was before the election. I guess it was like a week out from the election. Or maybe it was the Monday before the election because I was, I can picture I was doing the show from my house. So it might have been the Monday before. So that's, just a week that, ago, a fucking week it, ago. Yeah, you were at your house Monday. And somebody brought up Pennsylvania and Doug goes, well, I think you can, you can vote in Pennsylvania up to three days after the election. And just, I'm like, okay, I can't let that one go because usually I just, and I'm like, well, that's not true. It's, you know, it's, you know, you can vote by, and they'll count it by mail up until three days, but you can't like go into a polling place on Thursday if you don't like where the results are headed, <laughs> you know, and then it became, well, yeah, now see, they're not, they're not taking it, you know, even if it's not legibly postmarked. So yeah. And I'm like, but that's not what your point was initially that, you know, and then people are like, yeah, good for you, Doug. And I'm like, oh my God, I said something that was not, you know, first off true, but secondly, like really, I don't even kind of basic. And I was the bad guy for saying it. Yeah, I'm I, like, I wouldn't let that bother. No, me. I'm not saying it bothered <laughs> it, it, it at all. Jesus, my God, if the text inbox bothered <laughs> me, if the fan page bothered me, but the the fact that that was met with like, why are you being condescending? <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm stating the you know the fact, and it wasn't like a win when it was that you can get a your vote counted if you didn't have a legible postmark. The framing of it was you can vote in Pennsylvania after election day, which was not accurate, which is what I was pointing out. And so the reason I bring it up is I don't know how much good faith some of the people who try to point it out, you know, like one of the people who's you know, been active in uh, the discussion, so to speak, you know, throughout the show today was, go, you know, kept sending in, hey, it looks like Trump lost and there are no riots and no looting, you know, which is kind of one of the Oh yeah, that's, you know. a, that's a good one. Right. But then, you know, I, so it's, you know, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do, I'm, so when it's, when it's done from a place of, you know, and, and that's why, so for example, I was speaking with somebody who said they were really surprised when I talked about on TMA, which was something I guess got Doug worked up, but that Jack Nicholas spoke uh, in support of President Trump. And I said, good for him. I don't share his opinion, but if he wants to speak his mind, he should have every right to do so. Just like the NBA clearly adopted a policy. Uh, why, why should we be supportive of the, what the NBA players are saying? Or take your pick of if it's a player kneeling before the national anthem. Why should we be supportive of that? But now we're going to chastise Jack Nicholas. It doesn't work that way. I'm and, and I and I was speaking with somebody last week. One of the people I actually was telling you about, Pete, who would be considered a business Republican, right. and said I was really surprised to hear where you came down on that. And I go, God, I'm really surprised to hear because this person knows me not super well, but knows me. And I'm going, I'm really surprised to hear that you're surprised. If anything, I'm kind of disappointed. You know, not in you, but that you even think that I would that I would have like inconsistent analysis because it's it's always at least certainly in good faith, attempted to be based on principle and not like on, oh, well, I don't like Donald Trump, so fuck him and therefore fuck Jack Nicholas for supporting him. That's not where, that's not where I am. Um, now, if no one 
in sports or entertainment had been espousing their political opinions. And all of a sudden, Jack Nicholas decides, you know, here I am at what, 80, that, you know, a few days before the election, I'm going to get on Instagram and ship my opinion. And I go, well, that was a little, that was a little odd. But my God, for every one Jack Nicholas sport opinion, athletic opinion, how many, well, there have been a hundred. <laughs> uh, you know, with the, uh, with the, so why in the world would, would we say one's all right and one's wrong? Like, to me, it's, you gotta, you gotta be supportive of, uh, of both. Um, not necessarily what they're saying, but they're right to do so. And certainly not go on social media and motherfuck them. That's not real tolerant, you know, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, but I'm sure I could sit here with somebody who would go, well, here's why, because he's supporting somebody who isn't tolerant, you know, or, I don't know, I, but that's not how I see it. I always go back to a scene in The American President. Is that what it's called? An American yeah. do, you know what, do, you, yeah. do you know where I'm going with this? It's a great movie. I think you've brought this up before. It is honestly one of my favorite. But I mean, and I know it's, it's if any, I mean, but it's truly how I feel. Uh, it's when Michael Douglas's character, President Andrew Shepard says, uh, he's talking about Richard Dreyfuss's character. For the last couple of months, Senator Rumson has suggested that being president of this country was to a certain extent about character. And although I have not been willing to engage in his attacks on me, I've been here three years and three days, and I can tell you without hesitation, being president of this country is entirely about character. For the record, yes, I am a card-carrying member of the ACLU. But the more important question is, why aren't you, Bob? Now, this is an organization whose sole purpose is to defend the Bill of Rights. So it naturally begs the question, why would a senator, his party's most powerful spokesman and a candidate for president, choose to reject upholding the Constitution? If you can answer that question, folks, then you're smarter than I am because I didn't understand it until a few hours ago. America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. You got to want it bad because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this is a land as a land of the free? then the symbol of your country can't just be a flag. The symbol also has to be one of its citizens exercising its right to burn that flag in protest. Show me that. Defend that. Celebrate that in your classrooms. Then you can stand up and sing about the land of the free. And that's the principle I adhere to. Now, I know it's not as simple as that because you have complicated questions, and they're not going to appeal to everybody. And one thing, and you, you watched 60 Minutes last night? I, I did. It was at the circus. I can't remember. It was 60 Minutes at the circus. I watched 60 Minutes. Uh, and they interviewed, I think it was Lieutenant Governor who looks like he should be playing or did play in the NBA. You know, I'm talking about bald guy with a goatee. Is it Fetterberg of, uh, of, uh, Pennsylvania. I thought they, uh, they interviewed, I could either way, either on the circus or 60 minutes. He was talking about how Pennsylvania and especially Western Pennsylvania had flipped from blue to red. And part of it was they, they felt like the democratic party had lost touch with what they thought the Democratic Party was about. And a lot of it, I think, would would be some of what is just said right there. And he said he was contacted by the person who was one of the chairs of Biden's election campaign and asked what is important for him to do. And he said, well, certainly it's important to campaign in Philadelphia and in Pittsburgh. But then he started naming off all these counties in Pennsylvania, and I couldn't begin to, to name them. Um that he has to visit because Hillary Clinton went to Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, but you can't ignore everybody else to appeal to take your pick of Silicon Valley or Hollywood. You know, it's beyond that. It's beyond that, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, 
And so I think some of this stuff right here sounds great. The stuff I just read, it does sound great. And I do personally believe in it. And I'd like to think that's why when the Jack Nicholas thing came up, it was like, yeah, of course, good for him. I don't agree, but good for him. You know, God bless him. He feels strongly about it. There's not a doubt in my mind he is operating from a place of good faith. Um, you know, I don't think he's bought and paid for, in other words. Uh, he's not doing this out of pressure. Shit, he's 80 years old. He doesn't need to do this, you know. Um, but it's the principle. But there's more to it than those types of things. People want to know how it's going to impact their lives. People want to know where things are for their jobs or how they're going to pay for their families. So, yeah, it might be nice to talk about utopian societies because we're all millionaires and, you know, and speak idealistically because we're in a position where, okay, they raised our taxes. It doesn't really impact things. You know, that's great. But what about somebody who we're, you know, like, I mean, think about it. And in a big way, and I say this sincerely, because some people were like, and I don't even remember what the stimulus check was. And I'm not saying that to be flippant. Obviously, I'm disconnected, but I know from 1200. My, what was it? 1200. Okay. And that mattered to people. That mattered to a lot of people. That's real money to a lot of people. Now, the people who it doesn't matter to didn't qualify for it. You know, but you have to understand if anything, that should hold it up, hold the country up to your face in the mirror and go, holy shit, that matters. Now, it might not get you over the finish line by any means, but that matters. And I think oftentimes you have people telling people that they are wrong for supporting a candidate because of their ideals, when in reality, that's not why they're voting for the candidate. And I think that's part of the disconnect. I saw Claire McCaskill last week, and I might have referenced this on this podcast. I might have said it on the radio. I might have said it in a conversation. I don't know. Like I said, my neck's all fucked up, and I didn't sleep well. But she said, we got to stop acting like we're smarter than everybody else because we're not. And I do feel like there is this, t and I, I've talked about it before, and I think this is a Fox News and a CNN thing. And I really don't watch MSNBC, so I don't know. Um, like, we're gonna here's a Trump bite. Now let's come back and have our snarky little condescending remark. Oh, here's an Obama soundbite. There's a button. We're going to have our snarky little remark, you know, uh, I think, I think, I think that does disservice to it. Like we're going to shit on this person. Like how about get a load of this moron? You know, we're smarter than him and the people who follow him. And I really, but I, but here's the thing. It's profitable. So I don't know what changes that. But if you're a candidate, I actually do think, I really wish this were 2016 for a lot of reasons that Joe Biden, and I'm sure Joe Biden does too. Uh, because if Joe Biden would have run in 2016, that means he would still have his son who he loved so much. Of course he loved his son, but Hunter Biden, who I think he visualized as being, you know, the heir to his throne and, uh, and he lost his son. He didn't want to run. Um, and so, you know, you had what you had and I don't know if he would have won. I don't know if he would have won, but I've said before, if I, if John McCain runs into, if John, he ran in 2000, but if he would have won in 2000, I think the country would have been in better shape. Um, and so along those lines, uh, it's amazing how these things can have domino effects on presidential elections and then, you know, midterms. But I, th that, that comment from that gentleman who's a lieutenant, lieutenant governor really stood out to me that I do think that, yeah, everybody may be part of the Democratic Party, but there's a lot of different elements of this Democratic Party, similar to the business Republicans, those who are Trump fans, and then those who are evangelicals, religious right, and the Republican Party. Um, those who just were freaked out by Hillary Clinton, maybe freaked out by Joe Biden. I think that's probably a lesser amount, but in the Republican party or in the democratic party, you know, it's not just about winning over Hollywood and winning over Silicon Valley and winning over the urban areas. 
It's about making sure you go out and explain why and make yourself visible and make yourself accessible to questions about these things that are being told as truths, but are just absolutely false. Uh, for example, like the socialist thing, like what happened in Day- Miami-Dade. You know, I think that's what G-Unit was getting worked up. I don't know if we were recording when he was, but he was getting worked up about that. Why? Because they're going, oh, my God, well, Joe Biden's a socialist and, you know, we're coming from Cuba or Venezuela. You know, we're scared to death. That that's what could happen. So, therefore, we're going to vote for Donald Trump. And I'm sure people are in the country going, what in the world happened there? Well, there you go. That's what happened. So you can't take these votes for granted. You can't take people for granted. And I would love to see him you know, make himself accessible to not just, you know, democratic cheerleaders. And I think maybe he will do that. I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far, if he does indeed get sworn in as president. All right. That's going to do it for questions from the audience. Uh, I am on vacation next week, but I probably will record one even from my, uh, from my uh, vacation. Um, And we'll do another pick six this week as well. Uh, You're always welcome to email in questions, comments, opinions, hate mail, erotic stories, Tima Kernan at inside stl.com. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves, carltoninsurance.net. Munganest, St. Louis Acura, and uh, Alton Toyota. Uh, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. Jim Rogers of Restoration One of centralstlouis.com. And Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.